back to our seats. I want to welcome everybody, especially our guests. My name is Pastor Rich, lead pastor here at Grace Point Church. Thank you for coming out. I know there's a lot of places you could have came, but you came here today. And really, you're coming at a good time. Today is what we call a standalone message because we did our, finished our series on um, the, big, the big deal. And you guys, we did a challenge last week to help us pay off to pay one extra payment in our building fund. And would you believe what happened? We received $240. Just kidding. We received $1,400 and $2, so we're just waiting for the other $26 to come in. And I tell you, we received, this was amazing. You bought the coins? People bought coins. The coins came out to $71. Isn't that amazing or what? So you guys are amazing with your faith. Thank you so much. And we look forward to 2016 as we talk about um, transforming our, um, our building and transforming our, our city. But again, I just want to, I'm going to have a couple, one more testimony of what happened this weekend when we talk about Freedom Weekend. Um, you heard what um, some of the subjects they talked about, identity, unforgiveness, um, curses, all those things that Jesus wants all, all of us to walk free from. And the thing for the weekend really was we really get to celebrate the finished work of Christ. And we fight from a position of freedom, not trying to fight for freedom. Now, the world tries to fight for freedom, but we fight from the position of freedom because when Jesus died, he always victorious. And since we're part of him, we are victorious with him. So we might have struggles in the world, but we don't have failures in the world. We might have tribulation, but we have we overcome those because our king of kings and lord of lords have overcome those. Amen. So I'm going to have a young man, Saul, going to give a testimony. Saul is going to hang around with us so long that his name is going to be transformed to Paul. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Morning. Thank you. Um, Pastor told me to be short, so I'm going to try to do so. So I'll start in 19. We got the hook if you're not, brother. (laughs) Where's John at? There he is. Okay. I'll start in 1999 when I was born. No. Um, <laughs> fast track. Vic, um, victory weekend. To be honest, and I just want to be really raw, I did not want it to come. I had an assignment Friday night. I came in late Friday night, and things changed in my schedule. I had Saturday morning free, so even though I didn't want it to come, God had a divine appointment with me here. Um, I came to Abilene a few months ago, and I came really wounded and with a thought that with time it will heal or time will heal things and one of the main things I learned in Victory Weekend is that no time does not heal Jesus heals yeah Jesus heals and it's having that faith and having that trust to putting everything I am in his hands and letting him work with everything so therefore the healing could start in my life did Victory Week was the finishing point of all my struggles no but it was the starting point where God gave me the necessary tools to be empowered by the Holy Spirit through the grace of God to start walking in the journey where God wants me to walk and to start to become the man God wants me to be. So next year, when Victory Weekend comes, and even though if you don't want to come, I encourage you to come because God will be waiting for you here. Amen. All right. All right. See, Saul turning into Paul. We're going to have a short message, and we're going to have a, a response to it. Um, the word says it's over. How many believe it's, you use this word at least once or twice in your life? 
Then you see in your dreams, seem like your dreams disappeared. Your promises that you thought you were going to receive something just disappeared on you. Um, the job you were looking for, you thought you were going to get disappeared on you. The relationship you thought you were going to have disappeared on you. All the things that you had set up in your life all of a sudden just said, look like it's over. How many have been there? I said, man, it's over. How many are there right now? And sometimes you get into that, it's over. And what I'm going to take this word, now the word, if you look it up in a dictionary, what it means, it doesn't change what it means. But I'm going to change the, I'm going to change the background of what it means when you talk about the kingdom of God, when it says it's over. If you remember walking with Jesus Christ, the disciples walked with him for three years. And they thought that basically this is the king who's coming to take over the world and change the world. And they thought that we're going to hang out in his kingdom forever. And he's going to be with us forever. And they were truly committed to him. As much as they, tr- they tried hard, they, stepped, they stayed with him every day. They had their failures. They had their victories. And they thought we're going to hang out for a long time. And they placed all their hopes on him. Everything they had on him. And then he comes up and tells them, toward, and he watched what happened. Everyone loved him. And then toward the end of his life, people started despising him. And I, thought they, I think they said, uh-oh, what is going on? Then he started coming out with this strange language. Guys, I'm going to go die. And I'm saying, wait a second. You're king. You're not supposed to die. Kings kill people for power. But you're going to die and we're going to receive power? That does not compute. And they're like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. And all their hopes, they were saying, we're going to build a king, a castle for you, so you can rule Israel. And next thing they know, they're taking him to a place called the Skull for him to give his life up and die. And most of them took off. When they said, I'm I'm going to hang with you, they took off. And they watched all their dreams and aspirations die. And they said, man, it's over. And if you look in the book of John, they went to Galilee. Now, Peter tried to hang out as long as he could, but he denied Jesus three times, disappointed himself. He said, well, I guess we'll just go back to fishing because it's over. I guess we'll just go back to what we used to do because it's over. And they were committed. How many are committed to Christ, but sometimes you just can't comprehend them? Because it it's hard to comprehend someone dying for influence. You want kings in those days killed people for influence and power. We have a king who died and bought power. Flip the script. And it's okay sometimes when we walk Right, we're committed to Christ. We love Christ. But just sometimes, guys, you just can't comprehend what's going on in your life. God, why did you let that happen? God, why did you? How many been there? And you, sometimes you don't stick around to get the answer, do you? Because you already know the answer. It's over. It's done. I guess I'll try something else. Maybe I'll try another religion. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I'll just try to survive until my time is up. Ever been there? Talking about it's over in the kingdom of God. Let's go to the book of John. For the sake of time, I'm going to cut through this. 
Jesus had some words for his disciples, his last parting words for his disciples before he was arrested, before their dreams really started going down. Wait a minute. These are the last words, and you're, you're not going to be with us? No. And then he also tell them, yeah, you guys are going to take off, man. So, no, we'll be with you forever. How many men those promises and no vows and never stick to them, right? And this is what happened here in verse 29 to 33. Because he's trying to talk to them in plain language now. He said, the disciples said, oh, now we're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you all know, you know all things. And I need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. How many believe Jesus came from God? So it's a logical um, belief. Jesus answered him, do you really believe? Really? Do you, do you now believe after three years? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. I said these things to you that in me you may have what? In the world you will have what? Now, that, that's a fancy word. If you have the NIV, it means trouble. Or if you have a, a, a RSV, it means pressure. How many feeling pressure? Evil causes pressure. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And this is his closing speech before the next chapter he goes. Two chapters later, he goes and gets arrested. And all the dreams die. All their hopes die. All the benefits they thought, the benefit package they thought they had just died in their mind. But how many know God has another plan or a better plan? Sometimes we just don't understand the plan. And sometimes we want to, we will not do that. But also he was doing, he was doing something with the disciples. It's amazing. How many, when you really think your, your faith is strong, you can withstand all things, you get hit. And you're like, my faith is nowhere near where I thought it should be. How many know we have a God that tests us? And he doesn't want us to get confident in our own strength. He wants us to be confident in his strength. And what happened to them, they actually went back fishing. Like some of us, well, the God thing didn't work out, so... That, that job I thought I was going to get, they're taking me over here. You ever see God's promotion um, track? Doesn't it seem like you're losing before you gain? Because you said, I can just take three steps and I'll be a superstar. But he takes you all the way around. Why do we got to go all the way around the village to come this way? And we can walk around and say it's over. Three things when you look at that. In verse 32, let's go there. It says this, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed has come, when you will be scattered. Each to his own home. You will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Everything I just said about you feeling like you lost dreams and you just gave up and you think everything is over in your life, can I give you just say one bullet here? You're never alone. You're never alone. You're saying, well, God doesn't understand. Yes, he does. Jesus had so much, he was so strong and unwavering and, God, and confidence in God that he would never leave him or forsake him. Now, he's going to go die on the cross. And one of the biggest things, if you go to Bible school, they tell you this is crazy. 
He's brought out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the Bible also says that it was God that was in Christ reconciling the world. So God was there with him when he was dying. So Jesus knew, even though I'm going on the cross, God is with me. Even when I'm going through all the trials and the trouble in my life, God, you're never alone. As much as you feel like you're alone, because people, how many know some people just don't understand? But who understands? Who's with you the most? He is. I have a dog named Bandit. Name was, when we bought him, his name was Chester. Then we named, we named him Bandit. And Bandit steals everything. <laughs> He's just doing his name. He, has, he don't have an identity problem. <laughs> Bandit cannot go outside by himself. And some of y'all have kept Bandit. When it's cold out, Bandit takes his time when it's freezing. And he walks across the yard and he comes back. And he will not, st- and I try to go inside. No, you're not going outside. You're not going inside, Dad. Get back out here. You're going to be with me 20. 20- he knows he's not alone. Even when I'm screaming him, hurry up. Will you hurry up? He says, yeah, okay, Dad. Yeah, I'm never alone. I'm never alone. I guess I'll go smell over here a little bit now. He has no fear because he knows we'll never be alone out there doing what he does. Same thing. Guys, we're never, you're never alone. You're never alone. Romans 8.35 says, who's the shepherd separates from the love of Christ? So, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. Is there anything left? Now, this is Paul who wrote this. The apostle Paul wrote this. Now, Paul had a resume. He says, you know, they left me for dead. They rocked, they um, stoned me and left me for dead. Now, in those days when they stoned you, they pushed you off a cliff and they threw rocks on you until you didn't move anymore. They, uh, he's, he's dead. And they leave. Now, Paul, the right, this is saying, do you think Jesus was with him when he was getting stoned? Yes. That's why he wrote it. He said, Not, even rocks thrown at me, it will never separate Christ's um, presence in my life. In your worst time, you're never alone. In fact, in your worst time, he comes closer. If you see in the Bible, when we sinned and gave up priority of the world, Jesus came back, took it back. But when they, Adam and Eve sinned, what did God do? He came down for a walk in the garden. And what did we do? We ran off. And then we act like we didn't know. He didn't know. He asked him a question. And he's like, well, and you know, Adam, <laughs> you, know, you shouldn't have gave me that wife. I wouldn't have any problems, right? Some of you husbands shouldn't act like that. Really, you shouldn't say that. If you want to live. Second one he said in verse 33. This one gets me. I said these things. To you that in me you may have peace. How many, I love the Bible. Doesn't the Bible, it sets you up with the good stuff, right? That you have peace with God, you have all that. And then the next paragraph puts you into a spin. Then you're going to have trouble. Why can't we just stay on the peace side? I love Romans 5.1. You will, you will have peace with God. You have this with God. All of a sudden, here comes a testing. I think he blows us up so we can make it through. He said, did you want to have Trouble in the world. Second part, guys, we live on the planet Earth, don't we? We will have trouble. 
I wish we can say, I will never have trouble. Don't ever say that because you'll have trouble in about a half hour later. When you come out of trouble, usually going into more trouble. Or if you're just coming out of trouble, you have, maybe I'll give you about a 20-minute break. You will have trouble. And then he says you have peace. Now, here's where we get confused. We think peace, we have peace from trouble. But like Paul, when he was getting stoned, he had peace in the trouble. See the difference? You have peace in the trouble, not peace outside the trouble, away from the trouble. And that's where we mess our walk up sometimes. And we'll say it's over. I'm going through so much trouble, and I'm praying, and I'm reciting the word, and I'm doing this, and I'm going to church, and I'm still having trouble. Now, the idea is when you have prayer, you have peace in the midst. He never said, I'll take the trouble away. He said, you're in the world. That's a promise. How many love that promise? None of y'all saying amen. In the midst of trouble. And every college student, when midterms come around, y'all think you're in trouble, aren't you? You'll pass because you show up. Don't tell that to your parents. <laughs> that word trouble means pressure and distress because evil causes pressure. Evil in the world causes pressure. Last one is, I love this part. It gets good on this one. Everyone ready to come back up now? How do you start off on a roller coaster ride? Then you go down. Trouble. I like the, uh, the big part. I'm never alone. Now you bring me down. Trouble. Okay. Y'all ready to come back up? No? Okay. Stay down there then. Okay. Here's the third one he said. Verse 33. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Can I say something to you? You will overcome. Can I even say it the way we should say it in Christianity? We have already overcome. I don't have to go sing a song in the street saying, we shall over. No, it already happened. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I overcame, overcame racism, overcome all the problems in the world. I'm an overcomer because my Christ and King is an overcomer. And Jesus says this, basically take heart. He says, have courage. You know why? I love this one. It's like, um, this is man talk. It says, I face your enemy and vanquish and routed him. Jesus vanquished our enemy, the devil. He vanquished, he routed him. He routed death. How do you route death? Death is like done. How do you route death? I love what Howard Marshall says. It rests Four square on the fact that Jesus Christ has defeated death, and anybody who can defeat death can defeat anything. Isn't that amazing? It rests four square on the fact, the truth, that Jesus Christ has defeated death, and anybody who can defeat death, surely he can defeat my sickness. Surely he can defeat my money issue. Surely he can defeat my shortcomings. If you, if you beat death, you're the baddest guy on the planet. Because everyone else who serves false gods, they go, to the, they go to the graveyard to worship them. It's been a place in Okinawa, Japan. They have all month of October, November, gone to the graveyard to raise, try to raise up false gods. Our Jesus looked like Ronda Rousey last night. Right? The guys, he's getting beat up. 
He's bleeding all over the place. It's over. It's over. It's over. Right? Next thing you know, three days later, psh, boy, you never look better. What happened? Because I don't judge it by the world. I judge it by the kingdom of God. And since I'm part of the kingdom of God, his victory is my victory. Let me give you some proof on that. It says this, John 12, 31. Now the judgment of this world, now, uh, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Who's he talking about? The devil. That's what we talked about on Victory Weekend. We're talking about past tense, not you're trying to get healed. You're already healed. You're trying to be free. You're already free. Make sense? All right. Last one is this. I love this. Worship team, come on up. Howdy. You can tell I, I spent all weekend preaching, so I'm just really loopy. Walking around, y'all like, Pastor Rich, man, you need to do this more often. I like it when you're loopy. You're boring any other time. Anyway. <laughs> First John 5, 4 and 5. So any, for anyone... Everyone who has been born of God, what? And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our what? Come on, say it louder. Who is that that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Question. See, to be, it means this. To be born of God means to share God's victory. God's victory is your victory. God's victory is your victory. Now, here's the greatest thing when I talk about it's over. The resurrection, the death and resurrection of Christ was a done deal. You cannot change history. How many believe that? It's a done deal. The victory achieved on the cross for us, it's a done deal. Once and for all, it's settled. Everyone say it's settled. My life is settled. Go ahead and say that. My life is secure. Say it. I am loved. I am secure. I have purpose. Why? Because of the cross. It's a done deal. You can tell the devil, you can tell your problems, it's over. It is over. I don't even know why you're in my head. It's done. We're finished. You're a toast, baby. That's what freedom says. Because it's already taken care of. He says this, and you're right. Because we want to take ownership of it. We want to fix it. says this, you can never do it, but I have done it. And I'll do it again in you. Abide in me, and my victory is yours. We can never do it. Jesus did it. He wants to do it again in you if you abide in him. Who am I picking to this morning? Who says it's over? Stand up. Who thinks it's over? Who thinks life's over? How many having struggles right now?